Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. 1 Samuel 4. 4, 2. Go ahead and go to 2. Yeah. So... Many of you guys know that I love flying, haven't flown in several years, but I still love airplanes, still love flying, and I've studied instrument flying, I have my instrument rating, and instrument flying is really important because you, it teaches you how to fly when you can't see, because whenever you go on a commercial jet, you know, they're shooting right through the clouds, they can't see anything, it doesn't matter. With the rating, you just look at your dials. And ATC also helps you and tells you where to go, but you have to know and follow your instruments. doesn't matter what's happening outside of the aircraft. And there's different approaches when you're going to land and you're going to come into the airport. And there's two major approaches. One is called a precision approach, and one is called a non-precision. And I love the non-precision approach. A GPS is considered a non-precision approach. And it's way easier. You plug in where you're going to go, and you see it on the map, and you just follow it. And your little, you have a tablet, or or I always had it on paper, and it tells you, okay, once you hit, and the the FFA, FFA, is that right? FAA. Yes, sorry. What's FFA? Is that like future farmers? <laughs> okay, not them. They're not naming things in the sky. <laughs> okay, so the government, let's just do that. That's easier. The government names all these locations. And I mean, they're crazy names, crazy. Nothing's normal. But they do make them easy to remember because they're so crazy. So once you get to this fix, you know you need to descend to 700 feet. And once you get to this fix, You know, after another few miles, you know, you descend to 500, and you just follow it. It's super easy. But it's a non-precision approach. If you have fog or you have really, really super dense fog and your visibility is really, really low, you can't even use this approach. It does not get you low enough to get in when it's really, really bad. It's pretty, it's, it's a great approach if you've got a lot of clouds, but you don't have a lot of, you know, fog and things going on right there at the airport. So the precision approach, if you have all that fog, dense fog, whatever, storm, the precision approach is what you want. And they call that the ILS, and it's like this strip of these lights, and they're just flashing. And it's a pain. It is the worst. It's not the worst, but it's almost one of the worst. There's another worst approach that my teacher was teaching me. It was ridiculous. It was this thing called an arc. And you got to, like, line up to it really weird. And instead of it bringing you straight in, you've got to do this weird arc thing. And it was awful. And, like, we did it, like, three or four times. And it was, I was on struggle bus. And he finally was like, oh, wait, we don't do this anymore. <laughs> He's like, they took it off the test. I'm like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> like, how many lessons, how many hundreds of dollars in gas, and I don't have to do this anymore. So anyway, the ILS approach gets you really, really low. 
and really close. And it's the best one if you're ever coming in on a really bad day. That's the one the commercial pilots are using. And it's called a precision approach. And it's the one that you want. Now, why in the world am I talking about this? <laughs> I want to talk to you about your approach with God. Are we using the approach that's appropriate, that gets us what we want, what he wants us to have, or are we using the wrong approach? So turn, you're there already, First Samuel 4. So the Philistines were encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines. I feel like it was always the Philistines who were taking them down. They were defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Why has the Lord defeated us today? They blamed God. Like, what in the world were they thinking? They thought because they went to synagogue, because they were God's chosen people, you know, that this was just an automatic thing. You know, the Lord was going to surely deliver them out of this situation. Wrong, 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 wrong. So they got this wonderful idea. They said, I know what we'll do. Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes in among us, it may save us from the hands of our enemies. It. Wrong approach. It. When you start calling God it, (laughs) and I know you're thinking, well, they're talking about the Ark, but they are talking about the Lord. They're talking about the presence of the Lord. It may save us. Wrong, wrong attitude. So they went and they got it. 1 Samuel 4, 5. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. So they are having church. (laughs) They are having a time. (laughs) This doesn't say the camp shook. It says the earth shook. I mean, that is like the wildest Holy Ghost church party (laughs) you've ever heard of in your life. The earth shook. They are so excited. They are like screaming and shouting like like they got the victory. This is the victory. It is here. We're going to, you know, we're it. This is it. Nothing, no one can come against us ever again. This is a done deal. They are partying hard. They are so happy. Now, when the Philistines, Philistines, they heard this noise. They heard it. I mean, if the earth shook, they heard it. If they were that loud, they said, what is, what's going on? What is the sound of this great shout in the, in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they were like, oh, we know what this means. They understood, they heard that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. Word got out. So the Philistines were afraid. For they said, God has come into the camp. It's crazy that they had actually a better perspective <laughs> on what they had than the Israelites did. That's, that's, that's a real shame. 
Let's make sure we, we always have the right approach with God. Don't let some heathen have a better approach and idea of who God is than we are. Amen? So, and they said, Woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us. See, they remembered. They said, Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians. So they're all talking about it. They struck them with the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong. So then, basically, this is all it took for them. They gave themselves a pep talk. Be strong. Conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines. I could just see somebody stepping up and being like, man up. Stop it. He said that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So they basically gave themselves a little pep talk and then they were ready to go. So turn our, okay, are you at 1 Samuel 4.10? This is the problem with me putting the scriptures on here. Sometimes I forget to put the numbers and then I have it all in different spots. Listen, it says God, they said God has come into the camp. Now, God and the the power of the Lord can be present, can be completely all around you and available, and you can still be defeated. And I know that's like a buzzkill for some of you, but it's the truth. And it's sad, and I don't want that to happen to anybody. There's things and approaches to God that you have to have so that you are on it. You're aware and you're receiving because you should be able to receive every time you have a need from God. It's his desire and it's always, 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 always available. We don't want to ever miss it. We don't want to ever miss when it's available to us. Amen? There's no such thing as just automatically receiving. Now, Pastor, what he's been preaching about being qualified to receive 100%, 1,000% the truth. We are, we are qualified. But you do not just automatically get the blessings of God, do you? Brother Hagin used to say, blessings of God don't just fall off, off a tree. Like ripe cherries, they don't just fall off. The blessings of God, it doesn't happen that way. You don't just get it. You're qualified through Jesus, but you have to approach him in faith. You have to. You have to do your part. And I love what Brother Doug said when he was up here. He said, God can't work with zero. And then when he said that, I was like, oh, that's perfect. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm saying. He can't work with zero. You're not entitled to the point that you just get and you are offering zero. You don't get born again with zero. You had to do something. You had to approach God. You had to approach him with your heart. Amen? You have to do something. And this reminded me of when Brother Hagin was on his deathbed. You know, he was struggling. He wasn't born again. 
And the first thing that happened was he died and went to hell. He was on his way to hell. And that's when he got born again. And he was checking off all the things. But Lord, on his way, he felt himself falling. On the way down, he's like, but Lord, I went to Sunday school. You know, I did all these things. He had the wrong approach. If you got the wrong approach, you can't access God. What was the right approach? Jesus. Repentance. <laughs> having, asking Jesus to be his Lord. And he figured that out real, real quick. Not everyone gets that chance. The other thing that didn't just fall on his lap, even though he got gloriously born again in that situation, he got born again, but he was paralyzed on that bed, and they told him, you're going to die young, you're never going to walk. Did he, because he got born again, filled with God's spirit, recreated new? Was he just, bing, he was up running around and healthy and whole? No, he wasn't. He had to approach God in faith. He got in the word, and he found out, oh, I have to approach God in faith. I have to believe I receive before I get it. And I believe he read enough word that he knew God wanted him healed. Some people have to get over that stumbling block to understand who God is and how good, how merciful he is. And I believe he got in that, and then when he got to that part, you know, then he received. He received. He got the right approach, and he received supernatural healing and was never the same and lived till he was how old? In his 80s. Praise God. So we have to be aware of our approach. And it's not just, it's, it's not just um, in our everyday lives, although our everyday lives is what we access the most, um, but also when you're here. We have to always make sure we're approaching God. Something Pastor Greg said Sunday night, and I've been just thinking about it uh, ever since, was he was talking about repentance, and he was talking about how it's not an emotion. And I literally am just like mind blown over that. I have to tell on myself, because I always felt like if I did something and I'm like, oh, that was so wrong. I always felt like if I hadn't, like, if I'm not, like, on my knees, like, crying before the Lord, like, Lord, I screwed up. I am so sorry. Like, pretty emotional about it. I kind of felt like I hadn't truly repented. And I'm like, it's, it's completely changed me. Like, not that that's bad. I'm not saying that's bad, but it's not necessary. <laughs> you can... What's more important is what he was saying about you do it and then you don't go back to it. <laughs> That's true repentance. You're turning from it and you're not going back. And it doesn't matter how you feel. You feel like going back, but you don't. So what? It's not about your emotions and feelings anyway. Thank God. Because you may feel like going back when that person makes you mad, <laughs> going back and saying something that you know you shouldn't. You're like, no, nope, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to watch my mouth. And you might feel emotions about it. It doesn't matter. You've made a choice. It's a choice. Make the choice and walk away and walk on. And I love that. It was so freeing for me. So I'm just telling myself, I'm sure none of you all have ever been like that. So. <laughs> all right. 
So 1 Samuel 4.10. Okay, so the Philistines have given themselves a a pep talk, because that's all it took, really. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated. So they got God in the camp, it, in their minds, and they've just had this wild party, like, woo, this is our answer. It says Israel was defeated, and every man, every man, People who are even watching on the sidelines. Every man fled to his tent like that was going to help. There was a very great slaughter. They didn't even say that the first time. The first time it was 4,000 men got killed. This time it says very great slaughter. And there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. 30,000. Also the ark was captured. Did this work for them? Nope. God and his presence and his power can be all around you, and your approach is wrong. You're not going to get what you need. You're not going to have the blessings of God. It's not going to happen. So how does this this happen? Turn to 1 Samuel 7, 3. So we're going to move up a little bit in Samuel. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return, he's telling them, he says, This is what you got to do. If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths. And I looked that up. I'm like, What is the Ashtoreths? It said it's the God of war and sex. That's insane. He said, Return to the Lord with all your heart. Put away these foreign gods, disgusting gods, from among you. And prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only. They weren't just serving the Lord. They were serving these other gods. They were serving themselves. They were doing whatever they felt like. Whatever they were interested, excited about. Whatever. They were going other ways. And then they thought... Oh, God's just going to deliver us, of course. We can do whatever we want. No, you can't. He said, he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away, they listened. They put away the Baals and the Asterisks and served the Lord only. So if the majority of your attention is on other things, you're in the same boat. If all day long, and how do you know? How do you know? Well, I'm not like that. I'm not doing that. Well, one of the things we tell the teenagers next door is if you have a phone, I know iPhone, you can look up and you can see. um, It'll tell you your screen time, like what you look at, what you do majority of the day. Compare it. It'll shock you. (laughs) How much are you just doing social things, other things? How much are you in the Word of God? Because if, if you have your Bible app on here, it'll tell you how much you're, you know, you're on that. Now, yeah, meditate on the Lord when you're not, you know, your phone doesn't know when you're just doing that. But, but think about it. How much time are you spending with the Lord in your relationship? You will be shocked. You'll be shocked if you look at your screen time, like, oh, my gosh. Like, my time ran away from me. I did not realize. The devil knows what he's doing. He designs it so that you don't even realize how much time 
you have been distracted, you have spent on other things, you have thought about other things. He's, listen, he's a jerk, but he's not stupid. <laughs> he's not stupid. He, he knows how to deceive you. So let's not be deceived. Let's make sure that God is first. Because if he's not first, then something else is. So evaluate in your life what is going on here because it's so important. God, it says in the Bible, he's a jealous God. He wants you. And I love that. I love, in one hand, it makes me want to repent. Like, oh my gosh, you know. It's like he was waiting for me and I stood him up. It makes me feel bad. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to stand him up. Like, he's waiting for me to spend time with me. He wants to spend time with me like no one else does. I'm going to be there. I'm going to show up. I'm going to make sure I'm talking to him every day. I'm going to make sure he's the first one that I talk to when I wake up. He's the last person. He's the last one that I talk to when I go to bed at night. I make sure and put him first. Amen? It's important. So... 1 Samuel 7, 13. So they put away these bales and they said, we're going to serve the Lord only. We're going to put him first. So the Philistines were subdued. That's all it took. And they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. So God could move. Finally, he could move. The Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Then the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored. Look how good God is. Restoration immediately. Were restored to Israel, and Israel recovered. So restoration, recovery of territory from of their territories from the hands of the Philistines. Also, there was peace between Israel and the Amorites, another group. So restoration, recovery of territories and peace. How merciful and good is God? Amazing, amazing, amazing. So turn to 1 Samuel 4, 1. So this is, this is what they should have done all along. <clears throat> and I don't, I, don't, I don't remember if this is in 4, 1. Let me find it. It may be. I went too far. Actually, I think this is further down, so just, just hold, that, hold your place there. Then this is, this is how it should have worked. This is what they should have done. I don't know why it took them so long to, to figure this out. It says, then they cried out to the Lord and said, we have sinned. This is the first thing they should have done. Because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and the Asterisks. But now deliver us from the hand of our enemies. We will serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubabel, Baden, Japheth, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. Now, First Samuel, that's what they should have done. And it, it took them a while to figure it out. First Samuel 4.1, and the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. Let me find it. <clears throat> okay, in First Samuel 3.21, well, 20. And all Israel, so this, God had already set them up. There was no need for them to go through any of this in the first place. 
was never God's will. It was never his desire for this great slaughter, for all of this, for them to have to, oh, we got to figure out a plan, slot machine, Jesus, bring in the ark. Woo! We'll win. We'll win. And then it didn't work. It was not necessary. It was not the way it was supposed to go down. And he, in his mercy, in his goodness, had set them up all along. It says, And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. God had set Samuel up for them in their time to be able to speak into their lives, to be able to help them. It doesn't sound like they were listening to him at all. It says, Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And then when you get to four, it says, And the word of Samuel which was the words of the Lord, because God used him as a prophet to speak to them during that time. And the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. They had heard. They knew. They knew they weren't supposed to be serving other gods. They knew. It's not like, oh, we didn't know. It's so confusing. It was crystal clear to them. And they chose to do that. They chose to go down that road and God never wanted them to go through catastrophe. Listen, when you, when God sets church and pastors in your lives to speak into your life, it's not to ruin your day. It's not to take your fun away. (laughs) Just like here, I guarantee you, Samuel had given them warnings Serve the Lord only. I've read it so many times in so many different places from so many different people in the Bible. Serve the Lord only. He told them. I guarantee they heard it. They knew what they were supposed to do. It was not difficult, not a difficult thing, not hard to understand. But they, they made their choice. They made their choice to not receive. Because God knew, if you do this, he's saying, I'm warning you. If you do this, you're going to have calamity. And then you're going to have all kinds of things. Not just calamity, but you get bitterness of heart. And it's a road you don't want to go down. God's always giving us warnings to keep us in a good, good place. He wants us continually walking in his blessing. He wants nothing but good, good for us. Amen? He's so awesome. So I've got four things, just to sum it up really quickly, of four things that you can do to make all the difference in how you're approaching God, some things to think about. And number one, and I got this straight out of this teaching, give him all your heart, number one. It's really simple. Give him all your heart. All your heart. You're not giving him all your heart if you, your last prayer before you go to bed was, thank you, Lord, for this food. Amen. <laughs> and that was the last time you talked to him or thought about him at all. That's not giving him all your heart. I'm not saying you got to give him all your time. That's not what I'm saying. He knows. He knows you have responsibilities. He knows you have things you got to do, whether you're students, whether you're a mom, whether, you know, he knows you may be chasing kids around. 
whether you're at work extra for the day or you worked all day. I don't care what it is. He knows. And let me tell you, when you give him your time, he gives it back to you. Trust me. Trust me. He's so good. And he'll multiply your time back to you. I can't tell you how many because and we, we know people that think we're crazy because we go to church too much. Like, they think we're fanatical. And I'm like, and I talk to these people, and one of the areas, and I do actively believe God to have my time redeemed. Because you do still have to approach everything and God in faith, and you should expect, just like when you're giving, don't just throw it in that bucket. God says he's a rewarder. And you should expect it and thank him for it and use your faith. You have to. But I'll be having these conversations with people, and I'll hear, not that they'll directly tell me I'm crazy, but I'll hear it, you know, from other people. And then I'll hear them talk about their vacation over the summer. And one of the things that I'm very active about, like, I'm like, God, I give you my time, and, and you're, because there's people who are like, well, it's my weekend. I want Saturday and Sunday. I work a lot, and I want to have my weekend and my time. And then there's no time for God because, I mean, we, we, we do God on Sunday. And so I'm like, Lord, I know you're going to redeem my time. And every time I have a vacation, I'm going to have the best vacation. And things that are going to happen for me that don't happen for other people. And, I mean, we always have such peaceful, wonderful times. I mean, one time we didn't have a lot of money, and the kids were little, and we were eating. We went down to my parents because they weren't there, and we're like, oh, cheap vacation. You know, (laughs) we're like, they're not here, and we can stay near the water, whatever. So we were eating dinner, and all of a sudden we're like, what is that on the water in the distance? It kind of looks like a, a boat. And as it came closer and closer and closer, it was, um, it was a pirate ship, but it looked like from, like, the 1700s. And it was two. It wasn't just one. There was two. <laughs> and they pulled right up. And the, so the kids were like, wow, you know, like things they'd seen on cartoons. Like, this is real. <laughs> there's a real ship, and there's probably a pirate on there with one eye. And, like, I mean just sailed right up next to us, and the kids had such a blast. Like, little things like that, and that's just one little tiny example. I could give you, I could write a book, I swear. Just so many things where God just blessed us, things that I couldn't have caused myself, or I could have went out and spent a bunch of money to try to make happen. Like, he made happen. He, he's always redeemed our time and blessed us. And I'll, I'll hear other people talk about their vacations, and they're like, oh, my gosh, like, we never even made it. You know, the plane was delayed, and then we got there, and it rained the whole time, and it was just, and they're like, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, you know. But I'm thinking, I'm, I believe God, you know, and, and I give God my time, and, and he redeems my time, and I, you can change this, you know. Like, I'll have this conversation with them later when they're done being upset about their vacation. But anyway, number one, give them all your heart. Number two, get rid of foreign gods. And yeah, it's like, okay, foreign gods, but I made that clear. People have foreign gods today. Social media, shopping online, 
I mean, you can just scroll and shop all day the way you could, you could, used to, you couldn't shop 24-7. Now you can. (laughs) The world has changed. Put away things that you put above him. Number three, prepare your heart. Prepare your heart. That'll help you. Prepare your heart before you come in to prayer on Mondays. Read some scriptures that stir up your faith. So you know when you pray, God hears you, and your prayers are effective. You can do that. It it can only take a few minutes. Prepare your heart before you come in. Read your Bible. Number one way to prepare your heart. Read your Bible. But spend time talking to them. I make, I I am not a cook like Pastor Angela. (laughs) No, 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 I am not. But there's a few things I can do good, and one of the things I do well is steaks. And I could just throw that steak on there and cook it, and I could cook it good like someone wants it. If they want it medium rare, I can nail it. I know how to do it. But it's so much better if I prepare it and marinate it ahead of time. Way, way, way better. Put the garlic salt. I put balsamic vinaigrette. Let it soak for like a couple of hours. And then when I cook it, it's amazing. All that flavor comes out, blacken it a little if I prepare it, just and it's not even difficult. Like, I throw that stuff on, throw it a Ziploc, and throw it on the stove to just sit for a couple hours. It's not even difficult to prepare. Just a little bit. It makes all the difference in the world. Prepare your heart before you come in on Sundays, before you come in on Wednesdays. It's worth it. The Word will be so much more illuminated to you. You're hearing God when you have been conversing with him all day, it's, it's just so much easier. Amen? Number four, serve him. And I got that from here. It's what Samuel told them to do. Serve him and serve him only. Because you are serving someone. You are. It's one of the biggest deceptions to the world. They all think they're being their own man and doing their own thing. And they're not. They're serving someone and we know who, they're serving the enemy. Serve God. Be willing to be used by him. Be willing to give him your time. Be willing to talk to others if you need to. Be willing to, to spend some time praying. Don't do the Facebook prayer that the ungodly do. They just put the little prayer emoji. And Now, when I see y'all do that, I know that means something. But, but you know what I'm saying. There's lots of ungodly people who say it, and then they... They've checked off that they showed they cared about you, but they're not really praying for you. And most of them probably don't even know how to pray anyway, effectively. (laughs) Not to be terrible, but you know what I'm saying. Actually pray for others. So make sure. Now, God wants you to have the best. He wants you to have the best of everything. But he wants you, and he wants your heart. And we want to make sure that we have the right approach. We want to have the precision approach, the only approach that works. God has set things up in his word that we have to do it through his word to have the blessings of God and to have him be able to move in our lives. We have to do it his way. When I was a kid in middle school and I wasn't in church and I, I knew God and I was born again, I had such 
a struggle with this. Like, well, the Bible said not to lie, not to cheat. And I did a couple of those things and nothing happened to me. You realize it's God's mercy that things don't happen immediately. And, but is it going to catch up to you? Yes. It's going to catch up to you. And I remember one of those moments where it caught up to me and I'm like, oh, the Bible's real. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And I was like on my knees and like repenting and, you know, doing the whole crying thing because I didn't know. (laughs) Like I said, it's okay. (laughs) You can cry. It's okay. You can be emotional. It's just repentance, you know, doesn't have to be emotional to be real and to be done effectively. But I was learning Okay, as much as I want to do things the way I want to do it and the way that I think it should work, it's not going to work that way. I have to do it the way God said in his word, and I was learning those hard lessons, and thank God I was learning it then, even though I wasn't even in church. My parents weren't taking me. Um, You have to do it God's way if you want to have his blessings. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.